Well, there is a new unstoppable movement that's fixing almost everything wrong with America's health care. It's called direct care, and by sidestepping entrenched extractive middles, employers and consumers alike can eliminate all the built-in confusion, gaming, all the tyranny. Because direct care pays for itself, so the members and white coats are doubling every three years. Welcome to the new healthcare economy, where everyone wins. I'm excited to announce that we have now Redirect Health as our sponsor of the show. And I'm really careful who I invite as a sponsor because I want to be a satisfied client, and I have been for five years. They have over 3,000 Google five-star ratings and counting with an average rating of 4.6 stars. And I can vouch for the integrity of this company because I've been using it for five years, and they are amazing. At the end of the show, you can listen to how to get your free report on how to cut your costs and turn your expensive healthcare into savings. And now to the show. Well, today we're going to talk about the net promoter scores of some of the well-known branded healthcare leaders versus primary care, because it's shocking the difference. So what is a good NPS score overall? And why are these customer loyalty scores important even? And let's go with the second question first. Now, CMS, just for context, has 2,266 quality metrics in their inventory. What a bag. So when you think of administrative burden, think of that, 2266. Well, hospitals all take Medicare, Medicaid, and they don't have 2266 reports they have to fill out or data points they have to fill out, but they have hundreds for sure. And today's guest gets this better than anyone. Docs who take federal also have gods of quality metrics, and only 15% of a doc today is actual care. The rest is administrative with nonsense like this. But one metric does reign supreme. One metric. Who tells us that? Why, it's King Kong tells us that one metric is the most important. The true north, it is the net promoter score. They say in their own website that it's a key metric, not just for marketing. This is United Health Group. But for its entire operation, it has become an essential tool across the company. Okay, well, what is a customer loyalty score? Well, everybody's heard of Mitt Romney, and he started Bain and Company. Everybody's heard of Bain, Bain Capital, Bain Consulting Firm, big firm. He started 40 years ago. But they say an NPS over zero is good. Over 20, great. Over 50, amazing. And anything over 80 is simply world class. Now, with that in mind, let's go into this just a little bit. HCA Healthcare. Biggest hospital owner. What do you think their NPS is? 11. Tenant Healthcare, the second biggest for profit, a zero. Common Spirit, the largest nonprofit, a negative 17. Kaiser Permanente, they're going to stand alone on this list because they're not only a hospital and a medical group, but they're also insurance. So they're aligned. They're a 46, which is double anything else I could find on my list. I'm not going to read them all today, but I'll just read you a few more. Abby V, 22. Pfizer, 24, Moderna, negative 86, United Health Group, the King Kong we talked about earlier, a zero, Anthem, now named Elevance, negative nine, CVS Health, 15, Walgreens, 24, Teladoc, 21. Okay, so now we're going to get into the primary care groups, 
these are not only senior focus groups, but DPC leaders we've had on this show. Premise Health, 94. Marathon Health, 89. One Medical kind of stands alone at 33. I don't know why it's an anomaly, but that's the one Amazon bought in March. Aberside Health, 84. Chen Med, 83. Village MD, 92. So this primary care data set I just gave you, yeah, there's some departures and they have low bars in there, but it's a radical departure from healthcare overall. And I'm just highlighting that these are world-class, tiny sliver of healthcare. And I asked a friend of mine, why at Redirect Health? Dave Berg's explained it to me. He said, in my clinics, now he has about 100,000 patients in Phoenix, Tucson. In my clinics, I, I score in the 90s for NPS, but on my overall website where I have people in every 50 states for redirect health, I'm in the 40s. So my average score is 50 NPS. He goes, it's very easy in person in primary care to, to generate a very high NPS. Okay, final thought. United Health Group has a market cap of $445 billion and it dwarfs all of these companies that I named. It's four times number two, Anthem Elements. It's eight times the biggest hospital, HCA. And it's nine times the biggest pure pharma. Anyway, so that's why NPS is important, is because United Health Group tells us it's important. All right, so today we're going to talk to David Goldhill, who's the founder and CEO of Sesame, which is a direct pay healthcare marketplace. And he's also the chairman of Leapfrog Group. He served as president of TV at Universal Studios, president and CEO at the Game Show Network and the founder and CEO of INTH, a Russian TV network, and was CFO of a theater chain and a lot more called Act 3, Communications and Broadcasting. Since authoring the Atlantic cover story, How American Healthcare Killed My Father, David has become a national leading voice on market-based healthcare reform. And he wrote a bestseller 10 years ago and another one seven years ago, and links will be in the show notes. David Goldhill, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ron. Great to be with you. Good. Well, any comments before we get going? Yeah, no, I think it's interesting. I, I actually did not know that United told people to look at their NPS score. You know, it's interesting. NPS is actually a very, very simple measure of consumer satisfaction. And what it's based on is, would you recommend this service or this company to a friend who needed a similar service? And, and you know, it's fascinating that when you look at the range of NPSs you covered in your intro here, many of those institutions who basically acquire customers by default, hospitals, drug companies, not surprisingly find that they're not regarded as great for the customer. And many of those who can only succeed if they can keep the customer slash patient happy have much higher NPS scores because it genuinely matters to their business. And I think Somebody like United, which may imagine itself that way, uh, I think, as you point out, probably didn't get to $400 billion of, of market cap because they're uh, beloved by their customers. <laughs> that's a point well taken. Well, so let's talk about consumers because that's your new company really focused. They don't have a platform today like a Google or an Airbnb or an Amazon Prime. Is Sesame aiming to be that platform for the consumer in healthcare? So what Sesame is aiming to be is a normal experience for a patient slash customer in healthcare. We are, as you mentioned, direct pay. We don't take insurance and it's heavily for people who are either uninsured 
have very high deductibles, have very limited insurance, or just want a much more convenient experience in finding care. And so it looks kind of like anything else on the internet for any other industry. It just happens to be in healthcare. Our primary customer, as I mentioned, is that person who is wants very high quality care, very transparent care, very convenient way of accessing care uh, at the most attractive possible price. And we can explain later why that is. But we're a two-sided marketplace. And so our other customer is the doctor who is listing services at a price, listing actual times you can book those services, describing those services in English, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The goal, I think, is for Sesame to bring all the normal consumer experience to healthcare that accounts, just to use your you know, beginning analogy, that accounts for NPS as being so much higher either outside of healthcare or in healthcare, basically only in primary care, than we, we see through uh, the rest of the healthcare business. I, just, just you didn't ask, but Sesame's NPSs, and we measure them for both sides of the marketplace. For customers always rank somewhere, we're somewhere between 80 and 90, which is super world-class. And among doctors, we tend to be in the between 70 and 80, which is also world-class and particularly remarkable considering that we're a platform that you know, they basically can use to serve uh, to serve customers. They're not consumers in the traditional sense. Most of our doctors come to us, in fact, from word of mouth from other doctors. You know, when I when I hear people talking about the uninsured, I laugh because not at them, but I just they're dwarfed by the functionally uninsured, the high deductible plans who have put basically 100 million people in medical collections of which 70 percent of them have coverage. They just can't afford it. How, how how big do you estimate your market to be for Sesame of people that are having because of high deductibles, because they're in the cash pay economy, have to access Sesame? Yeah, so it's about $150 billion a year hmm. is spent directly on healthcare outside the insurance system. Hmm. And somewhere between another 100 and $125 billion is spent through the insurance system on deductibles. So, you know, I... I I laugh about this sometimes because when when I talk to academic healthcare conferences and I talk about direct pay care, people will say, you know, it's irrelevant. It's couch cushion money. It's a few percentage points. And they're right. But healthcare is so big that a few percentage points, 250 to $275 billion, is bigger than almost any other industry in America in itself. Amazing. And as a result, we think at Sesame, we can build a very big, very vibrant marketplace just on the existing direct pay spend. And then, of course, to the extent we are successful in creating competition and creating innovation and a much better consumer experience, we think people will recognize that it is much more efficient, effective, and easier to access care delivered outside insurance. And insurance in, in that world would need to cover less and less of the healthcare journey for people. Okay, so I'm a cash buyer for the last six years. I needed a, let's say, a hearing test. Do I go to Sesame and they'll tell me which audiologist or at what price in my zip code? Is that how it works? So um, we're highly unlikely to tell you. We are likely to give you a series of choices. Okay, got it. And you know, it depends on on the, in, in, you know the neighborhood for for almost any type of consultation. We're everywhere nationally for certain. Tests or procedures, we're frankly stronger in some markets than others, but I don't expect that to last long. The, the, the reality is it's a terrific experience for 
doctors as well as patients, because we, you know, as difficult as the insurance system is for patients, you know, what something again you mentioned at the beginning, the amount of time physicians have to spend on managing the insurance and the all the admin and collections makes for a terrible experience for them relative assessment where you can just directly see patients. That's what I tell my doc every time I see him. He forgets because he has so much volume, but I said, I'm your most profitable patient by far today. <laughs> it's You got your 150 bucks. You didn't have to bill. You didn't have to collect. There's no coding. You don't even need to type in my diagnosis stakes. I'm pretty darn healthy, but you know, I just need a referral to get a lab test so you can talk about my blood with me next week and then give me my Viagra. I'm good. You know, I don't need much. So, so we see, we yeah. see that on Sesame Run, which is that typically doctors price somewhere between 40 and 60% below insurance rates Yes, because they don't have to deal with all the difficulty. And some of it is just cost. And some of it is the difficulty in collections and some of it is all the admin and some of it is the doctor's time that they have to do when they see an insurance patient. And I remember when we first started Sesame, the conventional wisdom was insurers drive the best prices. They're, you know, the 800 pound gorilla in the room, they can force prices down. The difficulty with that, of course, is that insurance itself is probably the most costly way to manage any sort of transaction. And at the end of the day, you gotta pay for that through insurance. And so a meaningful amount of the amount we pay for insurance through premiums goes just for the extraordinary cost of running a system through insurance. Yes, exactly right. Let's talk a little bit about, so if, if healthcare lacks a platform for consumers, they don't have a natural place to go to do the introductions and nor do doctors. You're sort of being, you're that middleman. You're making sure that if a doctor does have an opening or spare slot, that they can fill it now with Sesame, right? So Sesame is for the physician, a system to to keep busier and for the member or the patient it's a place where they have easy access to whatever they're looking for right and then that includes labs medical services diagnostics it's going to include i guess specialists it's basically everything other than inpatient so it includes outpatient procedures okay not surgery uh, and not at this well if, if it can be done on an outpatient basis which means you know less than 24 hours Okay. spent in a facility so it actually there can even include a night but yes that that is our goal our goal is to have a kind of one place where you can discover price discover physicians timing everything to do with the uh, logistics of an appointment it's convenient like buying anything else is and it's transparent like buying anything else yeah uh, you know uh, um i've been a bit critical uh, it's it's probably the sort of perverse contrarian nature of me, of transparency laws, because at the end of the day, the reason that we're transparent in the rest of the economy is to get customers. You can't get customers without telling them what the, Walmart can't get someone to buy anything without letting them know what the price is. The reason in healthcare, we don't disclose prices isn't because the law doesn't require us to, it's because there's no competitive benefit to disclosing prices. Forcing peace, people to disclose prices won't create competition in itself. Sesame is fundamentally competitive, and in part for reasons you mentioned. If you're a doctor who's got a sudden cancellation at three o'clock, a therapist, let's say, and you want to fill it, 
there's almost there's no ethical way to do it in your normal practice but you can discount just that three o'clock appointment on sesame and it will sell that was great for the patient it was great for the doctor Mm -hmm. you know i don't want to overemphasize price because prices are much much lower on sesame well you're talking about wait times too david i mean you don't have to wait now three weeks three months to go see that specialist you can go in that day or the day before exactly what i was going to get to the convenience of sesame look we have been conditioned because the insurance system dominates the way healthcare works to just assume that healthcare could not have undergone all of the sort of service and quality and convenience revolution that the rest of the consumer economy did because of the internet. And that's not true. It's literally because we have a third party between us, between seller and buyer. And, you know, in fact, I wonder what it would look like if you measured the NPS for hospitals among their real customers. Their real customers are CMS and insurers, not patients. The entire industry is set up to serve intermediaries. The fact is that's not what patients want. Patients want what you mentioned, right? They want convenience. They want access. You want to increase primary care uh, physicians in this country by 15%? Get rid of all the insurance paperwork. There's 15% of their time that comes back to them uh, that's now available to see patients. I'll give you another metric, David, that will will make chase you, make you feel good. We have had guests on the show in the direct primary care space that are national. So there's five or six nationals. There's over 20 regionals and they're growing like 60% a year, 30 to 60% a year. But that's 25 million members. If you just do a head count of who's been on this show. So in addition to the hundred, you know, or 60 or 70 or whatever number you call the people that are in collections, I've heard numbers all over the board, but I've seen a hundred million from KFF, a hundred million there, 25 million in this ecosystem that probably have no overlap because you have no bills in your direct primary care. That's a pretty big market. That's a third of America. Yeah. And and I'll tell you that DPC physicians, direct primary care physicians were a meaningful force in the initial founding of Sesame. Good. Our chief physician uh, has a DPC practice. You know, I think the other thing I would mention about Sesame as a platform is as a committed capitalist, I'm a real believer in Mao's statement let a hundred flowers bloom. One of the problems we have in an insurance system, it is poses a top-down way of practicing medicine, discourages innovation in services and pricing, in packaging. You know, we have 900,000 physicians in this country, many of whom, half of whom roughly are independent. They are naturally entrepreneurial. They're naturally capable of thinking of clever bundles, interesting ways to provide their services. And the idea in most consumer economies, particularly one as large and complex as healthcare that has to serve the entire population, is we never say one size fits all. We recognize there's different ways of of offering care from a business perspective, right? From a customer relations perspective that work better for some people at some times their life, um, better for others in other situations. And in healthcare, the insurance-based system just makes that impossible. Well, Sesame doesn't tell doctors how they should practice medicine, doesn't tell them how they should charge, doesn't tell them how to package. And again, we can emphasize price because the prices are terrific. But over time, I think that's really going to matter is we're going to see doctors use Sesame as a way to offer innovative services and innovative packages without needing the approval of an insurer. Shift gears a little bit and talk about you have a unique overview of healthcare because you wrote not one but two books about it. So we're bestsellers. 
in catastrophic care, you had 11 things that we believe about healthcare. That was 10 years ago. Do you think that that has changed? That list has changed of misguided beliefs we have about healthcare? So um, I did read catastrophic care, um, although I must admit, I don't remember the specific 11. Hmm. I probably can guess some of them. I think what I would say is that the more time I've spent in healthcare, the more I hear really smart people say things that they should know aren't true because they're not true in anything else. And I, that, that's sort of what I was getting at in catastrophic care, which is we've created in healthcare this very strange industry, right? I mean, food is incredibly important. But if every time you went to the grocery store, you had to you know, pre, get pre-authorization from your food insurer, and they went over the bill to decide how much you pay and how much they pay, the food markets would be insanely expensive and, and probably most of us would be starving. In healthcare, we assume that the things we've done to make healthcare so weird are about healthcare, as opposed to about the things we, we made weird. And I think the biggest issue, if I could, if I could sort of squeeze those 11 down to one, the problem is we took this very important service that is constantly changing. Human health needs are constantly changing. And the technology of how to serve it from discoveries to inventions to new techniques to new understandings of how the body and mind work together is constantly changing. So what did we do? We created this incredibly inflexible structure that is still trying to address the problems of the mid-20th century. And that structure hasn't been able to keep up with the way people's lives have changed, their, their occupations have changed, their needs have changed, frankly, their health has changed, and it hasn't been able to keep up with the way technology has changed. When we first built these healthcare systems in the U.S. and around the world, if you had a major illness, you were in the hospital for a long time, there was a episode, what, you know, called an episodic and reactive, we got to fix this now. And that was the bulk of spending. So the bulk of healthcare spending now, up to 90%, is on things that are chronic, that you will have for long periods of time, maybe the rest of your life. Completely different nature of need served by the same system that was designed in the 50s. And the, the disconnect there is, how do I justify this thing I built almost 100 years ago for a very different world? Can't last forever. At some point, it's got to fall apart. But a lot of those things that make healthcare so weird is because we're still trying to solve problems that are long, long in our past. Yeah, that's a good point. Your career has taken you to the nexus of two industries that I think you're uniquely qualified to answer this question, but I was kind of shocked to learn how much of television advertising is big pharma. It's 75% of all of television advertising, 2 billion a year, is pharma. I had no idea. Well, that? I think that's, yeah, I think that's that's actually a specific market. But when I ran the Game Show Network, which is a network that appealed to older people, a very large percentage of the of the advertising came either from pharma or from uh, devices that Medicare would reimburse. Hmm. There's no question that the health industry is a very important advisor across television. And that in the U.S., pharma is, a, you know, one of the major categories for advertising and basically everything. But it's uh, it, it it is surprising. I mean, I think what you'd be specifically surprised is just how much of daytime television was supported by companies selling to Medicare patients. Well, yeah, the, the Medicare Advantage plans are 
Joe Namath knows everything and you need to know about that, right? <laughs> you know, what, what's shocking to me also is that we're the only country besides New Zealand that even allows this. And farmer ads are not allowed around the world. Yeah, I mean, it's an example of something that we don't want to admit in healthcare, which is that demand can be stimulated. Right. So yeah. the theory of having an insurance based healthcare system and having the big Medicare and Medicaid programs is that there's some right amount of healthcare people need and it's just a matter of paying for it. That certainly seems to be what the Europeans are doing. I would argue that's not really what they're doing, but that's what it seems to people what they're doing. And certainly in the US, if you, I mean, politicians will say it, if you need X, we'll make sure you can afford it. And the reality is that the healthcare industry, like any human activity, is much more complicated than that. When you say, we will pay for any care people need, you've given an industry a massive incentive to come up with new things people need. And by the way, some of those things may be good for people, right? That's not to say that's, a, that, 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 that's an evil incentive. But one of the things when we look at healthcare policy is I think we're often very static about it. You know, there, this many people don't have access to good care. How do we fix that? And well, in the fixes, we wind up creating new problems. Americans use far more health care than anybody else at the same time that there are many Americans who can't get an, you know, even adequate care. Those two things don't live together out of contradiction. They live together because we're the only country, believe it or not, that's made the statement of if you need some care, it will be paid for. We're the only country that's created that unique incentive of how do I figure out more things to sell these folks? Pharma advertising is just one piece of that. There's a lot of other pieces of that. Where it does get a little dark and evil is I have two friends that are investigative reporters for television stations and they can't touch pharma, they said. I asked them, they said, no, no, that's there's certain subjects that are just verboten. You can't do that. The other thing that kind of relates to that issue is I read today that CDC has a 50% transfer rate directly into pharma after they leave employment there. And the Congress, the same thing, 50% will become lobbyists in the last Congress, 2019, that retired. So if you were king and you got to, you know, they said, boy, you wrote these great books, David, and you really know a lot about healthcare. What would you change about healthcare to get rid of some of these darker incentives where basically the consumer is not central? Yeah, I mean, first of all, Ron, I got to admit, if I was king, I probably wouldn't be doing any work at all, which is why we probably shouldn't have kings. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just, the, the incentives are all wrong there. Yeah. But I, I take your point. Look, uh, uh, one of the things we really believe in Sesame is that there's no right way to bring balance to the system without getting the consumer heavily involved. And I think that's a tough, or I, I should say not tough, that's a non-obvious sell for people because they've been trained to think that unless it's covered by somebody else, it's not healthcare. And if it's healthcare, somebody else should be paying for it. I make the argument that the world is very, very different than when we built these systems to protect patients from doctors and things they didn't understand and surgery that in fact, healthcare is by far our biggest consumer business. It is by far the things people spend more money on directly and indirectly than anything else in their lives. The numbers are just astonishing. But without that benefit of that feedback loop between seller and buyer that occurs in everything else in the economy, we are doomed to ever higher prices. We are doomed to this incredible incentive to over-treat people 
we are doomed to not being able to track quality. And, you know, another part of my work has been on the, the quality and safety side of healthcare. And we're, we're also doomed to a customer insensitive, you know, inconvenient experience that drives us all crazy. I just don't see any way of bringing balance back to the American system without consumers. Now, it doesn't mean that you're shopping around when you get a heart attack. But, you know, one of the examples I like to use is if you've ever had a tire blow out on a highway, the guy who comes to fix your tire doesn't ask you for your net worth statement before changing the tire. You know there's a tire market out there. You may be desperate as guys are driving by 75 miles an hour, but there's a tire market. There's only so much he can charge you. And even in the most acute care, having a marketplace for some of our care will bring important discipline to the system. What do you think Sesame looks like in terms of number of members in three to five years? Well, look, our goal is to replace insurers' use of networks for deductible spend. We think that you may be aware that from a policy perspective, one of the justifications for high deductibles is that consumers, we would start to see some of this consumer benefit in the economy if for the first X dollars, and X has gotten to be a big number for a lot of people, $5,000, $10,000, consumers had to pay out of their own pocket. And then we turned around and said to insurers, by the way, you can insist that that money goes through your network. Well, guess what? No competition, none of the benefits of a consumer economy, if only a closed group can, can sell to you, can pitch to you. You know, the whole point, the reason that prices decline, service gets better, quality improves, transparency becomes greater, is only because sellers chase buyers. And when we make the deductibles go through existing networks, sellers don't chase buyers. We get none of that benefit. So for Sesame, what I say is, look, if we're devoted, and I think we are at this point, or committed, I should say, to deductibles, not just in commercial insurance, but increasingly in Medicare and likely down the road in Medicaid, then it is just right that consumers can buy their care in a vibrant, open marketplace where there's competition for their business. And Sesame aims to provide that, as well as make the experience of being uninsured or underinsured or only partially insured a much less frightening one for those who are in that position. All right. Well, if people want to find you, David, what's the best way to reach out? If they want to write to me, it's 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 just uh, david.goldhill at sesamecare.com. If they want to access great care at great prices and a convenient, transparent experience, sesamecare.com. And we are open to everybody. You, you can you can just come for a single transaction or you can become a member and use us regularly. We're, uh, we're a true open marketplace to, to providers, doctors, and to patients. I think you just answered my last question, which is if you fly a banner over America, what does it say? I think you just said it. <laughs> We, we we aim to bring a great experience, great quality at great prices in healthcare, just like people do in every single other service and, and, uh, and product we use. Very nice, David. Thank you for your time. Ron, thank you. Here's why I chose Redirect Health as our sponsor. I've, number one, been a satisfied client for five years now. Number two, our most popular shows are all about Redirect Health. There's that. When it comes to health plans for small employers focused on reducing healthcare costs, nobody does it better, in my opinion, than Redirect Health. They have an impressive 3,000 
plus Google five-star ratings and growing with an average rating of 4.6 stars. Can't beat that. I can vouch for the integrity and unwavering commitment of its founders, Dave Berg and Dr. Janice Johnson, to us as members. They are the real deal. Now, how does Redirect Health work for me and for you? Well, I have anywhere, anytime access to my healthcare team for any reason. They always have my medical records ready, whether I need a prescription refill, have a rash, back pain, or need my annual physical. Redirect Health has got me. They got me covered. They have zero copays for virtual and primary care visits, and you can access their urgent care services too. Plus, I get chiropractic care bundled in, labs and x-rays bundled in, and they quarterback the patient assistance for free medications for many frontline employees, which means they can get their medications free or near free and other services too. They run that gamut for you. Hospitalization coverage has just a $2,000 deductible and zero co-pays or care delays, which makes it different from everything else maybe you've seen before. And all of this comes at about half the cost of a traditional high deductible plan. And the best part, important, so I'm going to repeat it, is zero copays. Whether I see my doctor or they help me find one, I pay literally nothing at the clinic or afterwards. It's crystal clear this is what hassle-free healthcare and health plans should look like. With Redirect Health, there's much less chance of a surprise bill and they handle all the headaches if my doctor's billing department or the hospital messes up. They treat me like a person, not a number, and I have a healthcare plan that's not only affordable, but it's easy and accessible, friction-free. So right at my fingertips is the Redirect Health app right on my front page with live care teams available 24-7, 365. Try calling them on Christmas Day, I promise you they'll answer. <laughs> and they'll answer any questions and connect you with a healthcare provider whenever you need it. They've done it for me for five years. Redirect Health, where your health is a priority. Go to redirecthealth.com backslash run for your free ebook a business owner's guide to healthcare from expense to asset. That's redirecthealth.com backslash Ron for your free ebook. Thanks for listening. You can advance our movement by subscribing and kindly take a minute and leave a review. Each is a win for this show. Until next episode. <laughs>